Welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I am your host, Scott Dr. GX Wolfi. If you enjoy this programming, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube, which is where Truth and Rhythm lives, and be an advocate by spreading the word among fellow funk, jazz, and R&B music lovers. Join Truth and Rhythm's membership program through Patreon. You can also submit a direct donation to the cause anytime at funkandstuff.net. At that site, you can also purchase the book, Everything's on the One, The First Guide of Funk. Shop for official Truth and Rhythm and Funk and Stuff merchandise and use the Amazon links for all of your online purchases, which allocates a percentage to this show. For those of you who go the extra step in supporting the show, you have my heartfelt gratitude for allowing us to continue to shine the light on those special artists whose quest is to find truth in rhythm. I am delighted to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership original co-founding Rufus keyboardist Kevin Murphy. He served as a cornerstone before, during, and after legendary vocalist Shaka Khan's time fronting the group. During his 1970 to 1983 tenure, the Grammy-winning Rufus scored six straight top five R&B albums, including four number ones in a row. The band's funk and soul classics included Tell Me Something Good, You Got the Love, Once You Get Started, Pack My Bag, Sweet Thing, Dance With Me at Midnight, Hollywood, Everlasting Love, Stay Sharing the Love, Do You Love What You Feel, and Ain't Nobody. And Ain't Nobody Like Kevin Murphy. Kevin, how are you? I, I am good. I'm glad to be here. Uh, so glad to have you. Thank you for doing this. Much appreciated. No problem. So, um, where are you today? Where are you joining us from, Kevin? I'm doing this from Eagle, Idaho. I uh, live here with my son and his family. Kind of a, an old guy. <laughs> so, how long have you been in that part of the country? Uh, about five years ago. My wife passed away about five years ago, and <laughs> my son rescued me and brought me to live with him here in Idaho. Okay. Well, uh, hopefully it's beautiful countryside. I've never been, so. Oh, it's, it's gorgeous here. I just love it. <clears throat> so I'm, you know, a huge fan, as are so many of the viewers and listeners, and uh, been looking forward to this. And uh, we've been communicating for a while, so I'm glad we could uh, finally make it happen. Oh, me too. So let's go way back, test your memory a little bit, Kevin. Um from good luck <laughs> <laughs> from saint paul originally um was uh your family musical you know what drew you to music and why keyboards no i actually i uh started playing piano because my sister played piano but i was just three years old and she uh she taught me a little song and uh from that time on i was 
just you know doing everything by ear. Did you ever have any formal training? I did have formal training. I took, uh, uh, you know, uh, songs that uh, were popular songs from a lady and then from a, a gentleman that uh, uh, I took a, a little bit more uh, hard, harder uh, music. And but from that time on, I was just uh, playing in little bands that I put together in Minneapolis and. Uh, all by ear. <laughs> well, it's a nice gift, right? Uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I didn't know it then, but I guess, I, I guess I was doing pretty good. Uh, I, I played until, uh, I was about 19 years old and then, uh, I, uh, got a gig with a band that was doing the, uh, Dick Clark Caravan of Stars, uh, and I went to work for Dick for, for three years. I was his MC for the shows and then stage manager. Plus I had the band <laughs> did, did about everything for him. Wow. So, um, was that during the, the time of, uh, the circus or was that before that or that was before the circus? Yeah. Then I, uh, uh, the, uh, the group, uh, that evolved into the circus. They were they were called the executives at the time. Uh, they came to a club that I was playing in Minneapolis, and they uh, asked me if I would come to Chicago and join their band, and that's what I did. I came to Chicago, and they they bought an organ for me because I had a I had a B three, and it was just too much to haul, so they bought a smaller organ, and. Uh, uh, I didn't like that too much. I went back to my B3. And uh, I played with them for a while. Uh, I don't know if you know Mike Sistak and, and uh, the uh, mob. Remember the mob? The band right. the mob? Yeah, I, uh, Mike Sistak was the guitar player in the band that I would, went to Chicago to join. And then uh, I just got with other bands, played around Rush Street for several years. And, well, uh, Kevin, who, who were a couple of your biggest influences, you know, uh, on, uh, keys and just music overall when you were first uh, coming up? Oh, I, when I first kept coming up, Jimmy Smith of Jack McDuff, those guys were my biggest, uh, influences. Uh, other than that, I was just doing my own stuff. And were you already, uh, you know, dabbling in composing then and that kind of thing, or did that come later? Yeah, I was writing silly little songs, uh, you know, before I even left Minneapolis. But, uh, you know, I was just writing songs. I actually didn't uh, put it together with performing them live or, you know, I just had little songs that I wrote. And then uh, as time went on, I kept writing uh, Kevin, when you were with the circus, did you uh, open up for any uh, big bands that were known at the time? No, not that uh, not that I remember. Uh, we just you played around the clubs around Chicago and in the, in the Illinois area, you know, Wisconsin and the Midwest until uh, 
I got with the Dick Clark band. And then, uh, he was, it's just on from there. I got, I got with the American breed, you know, bend me, shape me. Right. And, uh, I played with them for a couple of years and then I, I wanted to leave the band. And when I told them that I was leaving, everybody else wanted to leave with me. So the whole band, except for one guy, Gary Loizzo, uh, they left the band and we just became, uh, you know, ask Rufus. So you came uh, onto American Breed. They had already had the hit, right? So, but um, did you do yeah. any recordings? Any recordings with them, or only live shows? Not, no, I didn't. I, I didn't record anything with the American Breed. Mm-hmm. Just played with them like a side man. So, what were the, uh, you know, early Ask Rufus uh, rehearsals and and sound of the group and that kind of thing? What was it like at that point? Uh, at that point, uh, the uh, when I left the the American Breed, um, Paulette McWilliams was a singer in the band, and she came with us. Do you, do you know Paulette McWilliams? Yeah, I know that she was uh, the precursor to Shaka. Right. Shaka was her best friend, and she wanted to, to leave the group that uh, evolved from the American breed and do some, uh, you know, solo stuff. And she put uh, Shaka with us. And geez, I was just so uh, enamored with Shaka that I called Bob Monaco and told him about her, and he came out and saw us. And and he, uh, he was with uh, ABC Records. And uh, he went back and got a little, a little money for us to do a demo, and they, uh, they liked what we were doing. So they, we signed with ABC. It was just that easy, that fast. Wow! Now, uh, just before that, though, the the group did put out a single, right? A brand new day, and read all about it. Yeah, we we did. That was uh, <laughs> to read all about it. That was one of my silly tunes. And uh, Brand New Day, I think we got that off a demo. Uh, but uh, it got a little bit of play. It really didn't go anywhere. Well, what would you say at that point? I mean, what were the like aspirations and ambitions of, of the group, uh, you know, right before or as Shaka came into the picture? I, we were just playing clubs. We we're kind of a, a Midwest uh, a group that played clubs and, and uh, made our money that way. We uh, we wanted to uh, get a deal, but uh, you know things weren't moving real steadily with us until Shaka got with the group, and uh, when we got Bob Monaco to produce a you know a little demo for us, that's when things started. Uh, when Shaka got with the group, people were very impressed with Shaka. And she was just like 18, 19 years old at the time. Very, uh, very young kid. Yeah. I heard she was a little rough around the edges and, you know, uh... <laughs> yeah, she sure was. <laughs> yep. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's how things start. She was very rough around the edges, but boy, she had talent. 
and people would listen to her and they could see that she had talent. And uh, on that first record we did, we had a little little tune called Whoever's Thrilling You Is Killing Me, and that got play around, uh, you know, on the R&B stations around the East Coast, and that uh, set us up to do our second record, Rags to Rufus. And uh, I went from there. Let, let me just say that first record, uh, Kevin, it so happens as we're recording this, so I guess it had its 50th anniversary this past week, if you can believe yes, that. Yes, just a couple of days ago it was. I, I, would, I was looking at and, uh, you know, uh, uh, my phone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, and I happened to see that. I was just really stoked. 50 years, holy crying out. I had already worked for 20, 30 years before we cut that record. Wow. So, um, and that record, of course, had the uh, amazing uh, cover of uh, Stevie Wonder's Maybe Your Baby. Um, yeah, that's, that's it, right. What What do you remember, if anything, about, you know, just being in the studio with those guys and with Shaka, like in those early days? Well, it was, you know... It was kind of just do what we could. We didn't have much uh, rhyme or reason about anything we were doing, and uh, we did a did a maybe your baby a Stevie Wonder song. We did a medley, and uh, Stevie really liked that song. And then uh, when we were in in the studio doing our next album, uh, he came in the studio with his whole entourage, and we hadn't we didn't know he was coming or anything, and he's. He, uh, he sat down in my clavinet with Shaka Khan sitting next to him and started playing these changes that became uh, Tell Me Something Good. And he and Shaka actually wrote that song. I don't know if Shaka ever got any uh, you know, due for it. But uh, and from that time on, it was just, you know, we got popular. I had heard, Kevin, that initially uh, the group kind of thought it was a goof, you know, kind of doing that track with the breathing and all that. Is is that true? Yeah. Did you... Yeah. That, well, how that went down was that you know, Stevie and Shaka were at the at Mike Clavinet, and they were going through this thing. And every time the chorus came by, we were all in the control room. And when that chorus came by, all the guys in the band would go, tell me something good. And that's how it came down. It, the uh, it just sort of fell together with the breathing and the grunting and all that stuff. And it was just a kind of a of a goof, but it it was a real <laughs> catchy tune. And they just put that out as a single. How did you feel when you first heard a song that you were part of on the radio? I. Uh, you know, I dreamt about that for for years before it happened. About how, how I would really, you know, freak out if I heard a song of ours that was on the radio being played in rotation and then, you know, actually being part of what was happening. Uh, when I first heard it, I don't even remember when it was, but it, it, it I was I was very happy put it that way 
Yeah. So life changed uh, seemingly overnight, I'm guessing, after plugging away for so many years. You know, I mean, that's that correct. Yeah. Uh, I, I was married. Uh, I got married in, in 65. And uh, my wife had polio when she was a kid. She was kind of sickly. And so I was, you know, I had my hands full with her. And then I would be on the road. And, uh, uh, kind of got, got a little crazy there. And when she died, I went a little nuts. I, I uh, wound up in the hospital and, uh, I just kind of lost everything. I lost my mind. <laughs> As you might be able to tell. But um, when, when did that happen? That happened in, uh, 2016. Oh, okay. Well, my sympathies, uh, Kevin. Oh, thank you very much. I didn't even uh, want to talk about that. But I, I feel I owed you an ex explanation for my <laughs> my hesitation here. So, back to uh, Rags to Rufus era. Um, so, those first two records, you know, was a different lineup uh, for the most part. And, uh, you know, yeah. kind of had a, a rockier edge, especially with songs like You Got the Love and with um, Ray Parker right. Jr. on there. And um, Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, at that point, it seemed a little more similar to what, you know, would become like a Mother's Finest or Max Sand, you know, just sort of a more rock-oriented uh, group. Exactly. A great, uh, powerful uh, vocalist up front. So, right. uh why uh, why did things uh, change so much uh, from Rags to Rufus to uh, Rufus Eyes? Well, those guys, uh, they they were not happy with where the music was going. There, you know, it was getting a little funkier, a little more R and B. Uh, and the record company wanted us to go in that direction. They just did not like that, so they often quit. And we ran into Bobby and Tony uh, in, um, oh God, at a club, Mavericks Flat. If you if you know what that club is, yeah, in Los Angeles, right? right. Yeah, and uh, we met Bobby and Tony there, and I said they were up for joining the band, and they had just seen us play, and uh, they said, yeah, so we came in and went into rehearsal, and they they just, you know, the band just took off from there. It was it was really, you know, a great band at that time. Andre so, Fisher was our drummer. Yeah, I was about to just say, I think, so you and Andre were the only holdovers, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So when you were in the studio back then and these songs were coming together, um, still kind of with the, you know, Rax to Rufus and earlier stuff. Right. Um, how did you shape your, your keyboard playing and your keyboard parts? You know, what did you bring to those sessions, Kevin? The, uh, it was all just jamming, you know, it, uh, I didn't sit down and, and figure out, you know, anything specific to play. We would just jam these tracks and Shaka would sing. And, uh, it was more or less just, that's the way it fell together. No, rhyme or reason so i mean um 
did you kind of come up with arrangements yourself or how was that kind of stuff handled? Well, yeah, the group came up with the arrangements. I would come up with string parts or horn parts or, you know, and do my, uh, rhythm, rhythmic things on the clavinet and, uh, you know, never really any specific thought behind it. Mostly just jamming away. <laughs> we, you know, uh, that's it. You know, I can't say anything else. It was just uh, Bob would mix the record, and we'd all sit in the studio, and it, it just came together. It was more magic than anything else. How'd you feel about? Uh, I know with that, um, you know, once um, "Tell Me Something Good" hit, you know, you guys were all over TV. Um, how'd you How'd you feel about being on the TV shows and uh, you know, and being in the spotlight like that? I just felt as, as though we had made it to that degree, you know. Uh, that was what we all wanted to do, uh, you know. And <laughs> Dick Clark would have us on his American Bandstand, and uh, you know all the other midnight specials and all those other ones. We just because we were a charted group, getting radio play that, that they would. Uh, put us together our management would take care of most of that in uh, chicago in those early days uh, were you kind of crossing paths with uh, like a earth wind and fire maurice white or a rotary connection or um well, yeah the rotary connection we we you know would cross paths with earth wind and fire not so much but uh, we left chicago and, and moved to l.a Shortly after the the uh, second record was released, and uh, you know, and mostly uh, Fitzgerald Hartley was our management. I was busy with my wife, taking care of my wife, so I, I didn't have much to do with that. Hmm. So, with the change in personnel for Rufusized, um do you remember uh, anything about that record in particular about, uh, you know, once you get started or pack my bags or any of the tracks? Uh, no, not specifically. I'm sorry. Well, how would you say that um, the chemistry of the band changed? Uh, it, uh, to me, it wasn't much. It, it, you know, uh, uh, Honestly, I, I was more on my own than anything else. It, uh, the chemistry of the band was not uh, something that I worried about. I got along with everybody. Bobby and Tony, I mean, they were tremendous uh, also. I think they played with, um, was it Billy Preston? I'm trying to... Yeah. Yeah. Right. They played with Billy Preston. and uh, So, um, yeah, the momentum kept going and, um, you know, the hits kept rolling. Right. Yeah. Um, and it looked like on a lot of these covers, you know, like you guys were having a really good time, at least in the photo shoots, a lot of smiling and yeah. laughing. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we were, you know, we good time band. And we got along good and we having fun doing, the, you know, playing music. It was maybe that was our charm. You know, we just got along good together. What could you tell people about what the stage show was like, um, you know, peak Rufus in the mid-70s? Well, you know, it, 
we just played. It wasn't, we didn't do any rehearsal as far as, you know, uh, dance routines or anything like that. Tony was just a, a natural at dancing, the most fantastic guitar player of all time, in my opinion, and the nicest guy on the planet. We became real close, us two. And, uh, I, he was, he was the, he did, he was a, a guy that took, uh, the lead. A lot of what he did, we followed. Have you talked to Tony? You should talk to Tony. <laughs> I was just going to tell you uh, that I spoke with him uh, at length. Uh, we had a great phone call uh, several weeks ago, and he was uh, going to be coming on. I haven't done it yet, but um, it was a good first step. Uh, the conversation we had was yeah. really good. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, you can get a lot from him. Yeah, I mean, he had a, a rough accident, uh, I guess, a couple of years ago. Oh, so he's, he's been terrible, trying to... terrible thing. Yeah, uh, um, so, um, but... Right. Uh, then we yeah. got, you know, we got guys like John Robinson. Right? He, he's like the the, uh, the rock of Gibraltar. <laughs> and uh, we uh, we just became a good band, uh, Rolling Stone. They uh, put out the 500... Best bands of all time. We came in at four ninety nine, <laughs> but at least we were amongst them, you know. Well, you know, I mean, I'm glad you pointed that out, Kevin, because I think that some folks maybe underestimate what a great band it was because Shaka was so prominent and got so much acclaim yeah. and attention. But the band right. kicked ass too, right? Yeah, right. We we have our our people that uh, espouse our, you know, the group. Uh, but uh, you know what? What can I say? It was just how it happened. Do you remember, um, like any? I know uh, things are kind of hazy, but do you remember any like uh, big shows in particular? Like any? I don't know. Something happened. Shaka fell off stage, or maybe it was a big stadium, or something like that. Anything stick out from those shows? Uh, well, I remember big shows. We never had any real, real bad accidents or anything. I don't remember Shaka. You know, she did fall down a couple of times, but, you know, nothing that stopped the show. She was always, you know, did her part. She would get a little whacked out after the shows and stuff. And on the bus, she was, uh, she would, you know, have her goodies. And in the restaurants and stuff, when we stopped the bus, she would be. Jackie <laughs> uh, Khan is a huge talent, and she's doing well today. Oh, it's so fantastic to see how she's still, you know, carrying that torch, and she still sounds good, and she looks good, and yeah, yeah, and she's doing she's doing just great, better than she'd ever done. And finally going, well, I don't know how you feel about this. I have mixed feelings about it. She's finally going into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but they didn't include Rufus. Yeah, I know. I That's something I, I just don't understand. Uh, you know, maybe we didn't have enough PR for the band. But, and, you know, she got most of it. But do we do have our fans that are adamant about that we should be in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I uh, I agree with that. I'm uh, I'm upset that we didn't didn't get put in but maybe somewhere down the road who knows 
I'm just glad we were 499. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sne- sneaked in, you know, under the wire. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, uh, yeah. we're doing we're doing something like this, Kevin, to uh, help keep the visibility of the band high, and uh, you know, get it the attention it deserves aside from Shaka. So, oh boy, I tell you what, we sure appreciate that. Thank you so much, Scott. Um, I want to mention the uh, my my personal favorite of all the Rufus albums is just the Rufus featuring Shaka Khan with "Sweet Thing" on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, front to back, that record was just so consistent and so strong. Right, yeah. What can I say? <laughs> David Hawk uh, Walensky came into the picture uh, shortly after that, so uh, how did he come right. in, into the band? Well, you know, I, I, w- I had to cover a lot of stuff. There was a lot of horns and, and strings and uh, a lot of stuff that, I couldn't do, you know, I'm just, I'm a keyboard player. I would play. And, uh, I had known Hawk for a long time. He was, uh, he was a buddy of mine. He'd come see me play all the time. I, I could kick pedals and, you know, uh, we didn't need a bass player in the early days and that sort of stuff. He was very impressed with it. And, uh, I just got him in the band. I figured we needed, we needed more, uh, you know, music and it, that kid is just unbelievable player he is, and a great writer. I mean, ain't nobody is just a huge hit. He's a great guy, too. He's a crazy little guy. He's my buddy. What would you say about his style is, is different from yours? He's, uh, you know, he's, I suppose he's a little, little jazzy. He's uh, got a, he, he can... Uh, solo is he's, he's a great soloist, and uh, he he doesn't overplay. He's a, a guy that you know knows where to fill in and what to play. And I mean, he's just he's just a a, a player, in my opinion. Yeah, it really stands out, uh, especially like you said, is his um, composing. You know, uh, he's done some great work there, and. Um, I think arranging too. Oh yeah, yeah he's great at that. He's a, a, a wonderful, terrific, great musician. You know, I, it's funny. I the other, last night I think I was watching Gail Chapman uh, with your interview with her, and I got a kick out of how she mentioned Rufus and Shaka, and that she liked the way I played clavinet. <laughs> Yeah, there you go. Well, you know, um, it comes yeah, sometimes from the problem. most unexpected places, right? Yeah. I just met her last Sunday through a, a, a music store owner here in town who knows uh, knows her. She lives not too far. I'm going to take her out to dinner. I like her a lot. <laughs> so you're not the only one out there in Idaho, huh? No, that's right. <laughs> uh, she's a sweetheart. I, I'm sure they like her. Well, so Kevin, the uh, Ask Rufus, uh, I know uh, another great album, and I got to tell you, uh, right around that time, I saw the group play at the Roxy in Hollywood, and uh, yeah. phenomenal show. I was sitting at, up close in one of those uh, tables off the stage, uh-huh. and uh-huh. Um, Shaka Khan, uh, it's like a 300-seat venue, for those who don't know, and so very yeah. intimate. 
And man, when she like opened her throat and belted it out, I mean, she blew the roof off that place. Yeah, she is. She's an instrument in herself. You know, uh, she's not just a singer. She's a complete band. (laughs) And I also have to tell you that they served food there. And during the show, she walked out on the tabletops because the tables connect to the stage. And yeah. she and she ate one of my fries during the show. <laughs> that sounds like Saka. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Pretty funny, Scott. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you know, you're lucky. You got Saka to eat one of your fries. That's, <laughs> That's fabulous. And I also remember throughout the uh, set, she kept sort of complaining to the lighting guy that the light was bothering her eyes. Yeah. 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 It sounds uh, like Shaka. (laughs) Temperamental, right? But uh, yeah. um, I also heard, I I also heard this, see what your uh, feedback is on this, Kevin, that um, sometimes the group might have like one thing in mind in terms of a track or how to do it. And she yeah. would like lay down her vocal and it would be so like interesting or different that the band would sort of go along with that and conform to like where she took it. That's absolutely true. But uh, you know, it, it's a good thing that uh, that happened like that because it, it made our music just, you know, that much better. We knew was- where to go. <laughs> I also heard that uh, with this Ask Rufus that it created a little bit of uh, friction in the group because of uh, the artwork with her being, you know, giant and the band being small and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, that was a that was a little bit, you know, what can you say? That was all politics, record company politics, and that was during the time they were trying to get her to go solo, which they finally did. And, uh, yeah, that's all part of show business there, I guess. Were were you privy at all, or were you present when that uh, incident happened with Andre? I guess I was. Yeah. Uh, I was not in the room, but I was in the, I was there at the studio. Yeah. That, uh, that was not a... Fun happening, and it, it that was when I, you know we had the fire, Andre. Did Did you feel like at the time it was going to go that way, or did you think it just kind of escalated after? It, well, you know, truth be told, Andre was maybe pushing his weight around a little bit, and uh, he, uh, you know, without getting too specific, he had a little bit of problem with. Shaka's husband, and uh, it got a little physical. <laughs> was a, uh, Shaka hit him with a champagne bottle or something like that. And, and you know, he wound up leaving. At that point on, it was, he had to leave. I had heard that Shaka wanted him fired, basically. Um, I think that's, yeah. you know. So I was just curious if the band, you know, you felt like you were kind of caught in the middle, I'm guessing, right? uh, Well, no, we all felt that way. You know. 
so out of that came uh, Street Player and uh, Stay. What a great track that is. Yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah. And it, it put uh, Tony out there some with the vocals. Yep. Yeah. Boy could sing. Also great about Rufus, and another reason why you guys should get the notoriety is because you included instrumentals, like, you know, all the time. Right. We would do that. We got a lot of uh, jazz radio play doing that stuff. It was all just, we'd jam a track and put it on the on the record. You know, we'd always have an instrumental. No big story behind that. Yeah, but it was one of the elements that, you know, differentiated you and made you unique besides, you know, Shaka and everything else. Yeah, maybe so. Did you feel any uh, pressure or you think the band felt pressure? Was there pressure from the label at all to, you know, do anything like disco during that disco craze period, which is when this came out? <clears throat> no, not so much. I I don't think so. You know, Shaka would just not do that. I think they realized that. At least I'm, I didn't feel that way. <laughs> I was very thankful that it didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. It might have hurt us instead of help us. I think now, the, the stuff that we did got its own, you know, its own due. You guys ended up having your own niche for sure. You know, you uh, had R&B with uh, a little bit of tinge of jazz, a, a little... Yeah. of rock you know and yeah that's right uh, a pop sensibility was, you know yeah that is correct <laughs> i think that had to do with the uh, everybody's uh, you know uh, uh, musical history the way it mixed how did uh, the uh, quincy jones connection happen uh that was I, I, I can't remember. I think that was through the record company. And uh, when she actually wanted to produce us, I was, I was okay with that. <laughs> yeah, if the band's going to give up the production, uh, you know, what better than give it to an icon like that? Yeah, it couldn't hurt. Do you remember how it was different at all doing that record? Because it definitely, obviously, had a different sound from what came before with the Quincy Jones touch. Uh, no, nothing that stands out. It was, uh, you know, we did it the way we always did it. We'd lay the tracks down, and a shocker would come in and sing. And it just, it just with uh, Quincy's sensibilities it all came together it was around that time was, too i'm sorry go ahead no i i was just going to say i was busy taking care of my wife pretty much at that time so it was also right around that time when rufus put out its first album without shock at numbers um right what was, what was yeah. the uh what was the thinking uh doing that it, you know, we we did it the same way as anything else. We'd uh, lay the tracks down and 
you know, mix them up, you put vocals on them, but uh, yeah, that wasn't real successful, our solo albums. It, I don't they, think the record they, companies, are, you know, were behind them that much. Yeah, but you guys did three of them. Um, did you think or hope yeah. that you would, uh, you know, succeed without Chaco, or was it just uh, other creative, another creative outlet? Another creative outlet. As far as I, I was concerned, I, I didn't see anybody in the in the group aside from Tony that could handle the, the vocals, and uh, you know, it was just, it was nothing real special about what we did on those three records. They were good, you know, but there was really no support, record company support. At that time in my life, I really didn't have much input. I have to say, though, on that numbers record, I really liked that one track, uh, Pleasure Dome. I don't know if you remember that one, but I always thought that should have been a hit. Yeah. You know, If not for the way things went down, things happen that way. I would be really curious, you know, to just uh, have heard Shaka go back and add vocals to some of those tracks you guys did on just the Rufus albums and and see. Oh how that God, I never, I never heard that idea, but that is a fabulous idea. What that would be like? Resurrect some of those songs and get her on them. You know? Yeah, yeah. Oh God. That's a great idea, Scott. I get one every uh, once in a blue moon. And then uh, there was just a one more studio record, Camouflage, um, with Shaka. And that didn't do quite as well as the other ones did. I'm guessing that maybe was there a little, um, you know, I mean, by then, I think I had heard, correct me if I'm wrong, that really Shaka was just kind of coming in and uh, and the band was coming in and they you guys weren't even really seeing each other that much or interacting that much. Yeah, that's, that is true. Uh, unfortunately, uh, that's, that shit happens when a uh, you know, group just kind of lost its steam. Were there any other... For myself, for myself, I was busy with my my own problems. Yeah, were the band members understanding of what you were going through? Uh, yeah, I'm sure they were. Uh, you know, it was never an issue, but uh, they got along without me. <laughs> now we didn't mention him, I don't think, but I heard great things about Al Siner from back in the early days. Yeah, Al. Al was, uh, you know, he was an American breed. He was one of the early guys in American breed, but. And he was one of the guys that quit the breed, came along with with what I was going to do. And what, what I was going to do is what we did. <laughs> but, uh, you know, with uh, Bob Monaco's input, uh, and the, the record company did put a little bit behind us. And it was just, a, you know, shock con. What can I say? <laughs> um. How how did you feel about uh, that sort of reunion for that live record that you know had the ain't nobody on it? Oh, yeah, that was a great record. 
it's my favorite Rufus record, and it's just, uh, it's just you know, stomping at the Savoy, right? Right. Yeah. No, I loved that record. It was it just the, 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 our live show, and uh, the, uh, the, the bus studio from uh, the Montreal or someplace like that. Uh, that was a great record. Bunch of our old songs. <laughs> yeah, I really. Uh, that was. It, it was good. Yeah, it was that, good from a fan perspective after Camouflage fizzled and and the group ended like it did to have sort of that right. epitaph, you know, of a great life. Exactly. And and the and exactly. the really great song, you know. Right. Right. Uh, exactly right. You know, we're we're still getting a lot of radio play. <laughs> uh, I hear our tunes all the time, so it's not like we're we're dead and gone. It, they resurrect us every once in a while. Oh, they're classics, and uh, you know some of them have been remade several times too. Yeah, yeah I know. Maybe we'll live on in in other people's you know productions of our old stuff. I, I do got to mention, Kevin, that I noticed uh, that last uh, Rufus Alone album, Seal and Red from 83, was produced by uh -huh. none, none other than George Duke. Yeah, it was. That was amazing. We did that all in his house, in his studio in his house. <laughs> yeah. Well, that sounds like a fun time. I mean, I've heard only good things about working with George Duke. Yeah, he was a, a, a special guy. It's too bad that he's not still with us. You know, what What did you do once Rufus disbanded musically? Did you uh, do any, like, local performing? Or, you know, did you uh, hunker down and write your own music? What did you do? Yeah, I kept writing my own music. And, I, you know, I got, I got into doing uh, voiceovers and, uh, you know, in that stream, doing commercials and that sort of thing. I didn't play with anybody. I just my uh, I think my career in, in uh, playing in a band was over by that time. My wife uh, got real sick, and I, I was otherwise, you know, had my I had things to do. Well, what do you think allowed you? What What do you think allowed you to be sort of the sole survivor? from the first to the last records for Rufus? I, well, I had something to do with, uh, you know, the, the politics of the band and, you know, uh, working with Bob Monaco. Bob Monaco and I were pretty good friends. And uh, we just sort of took the reins and did the politics of the group. I remember I was, I was kind of the leader of the band. They uh, wouldn't do anything without my input on it. Uh, but uh, I don't know why they did that. <laughs> they just uh, wanted my input all the time, I guess. Well, you had seniority at some point. Maybe that was the deal. <laughs> just the old <laughs> man. <laughs> I remember as a fan, though, you know, I always, you know, you know, put a magnifying glass on the liner notes and checked out all the things on every record. But 
Um, you know, just saying, wow, Kevin, Kevin, uh, there's some changes with this group, but Kevin Murphy, he's still there. He's still there. He's still there. (laughs) Well, I was kind of guiding it, I guess, through all that crap. But, uh, you know, I, I, I don't want to take too much credit for the uh, success of the band because the success came, you know, just in everybody's talent and, and, Shaka Khan and uh, I, I don't know what to say about that. What what uh, album? What album do you think is uh, the crowning achievement for the group? The crowning achievement? Yeah. For me, it was uh, you know uh, 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 stomping at the Savoy. To me, was was the uh, the best record we ever did. It was live. It was you know had had soul it had it was just the best to me and uh 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 the second record rags to rufus was the one rags to rufus yeah that was the one that really kind of got us started and i loved that record but all all the other ones were they were good. They had good tunes on them, but I don't think they were that brilliant. They were just likable records. What was there any um, any of those songs in particular that was um, real challenging for you to play? That you'd be like, "Oh, this one's kind of a pain." <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> not that I have to say. I just play what I play. Now, did you have perfect pitch? I know um, you said you could play by ear. I had pretty good pitch. I don't know if it was perfect, but I got along, you know. Yeah. I know some, some people, some musicians just have a hell of a time if they don't have some sort of pitch recognition. How closely did you follow, um, you know, what happened with your bandmates and, and Shaka's career after the band, after uh, it disbanded? Uh, you know, I, I did not, did not follow it. I, I moved back to St. Paul and I got, uh, I got with a little band, uh, that 12 year old girl, <laughs> oh, Shannon Kerfman. Are you familiar with Shannon Kerfman? I am not. Yeah, she's a she's very well known in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul, or you know, in the Midwest. Uh, Shannon Shannon was just a, a she was a twelve year old girl who got got a little recognition around the Fargo Moorhead area where she's from, and uh, she got a manager out of Minneapolis that just kept her working. We uh, we went to Japan and everything. Uh, uh, you know, she's got her following around around there. The, uh, you know, she plays guitar and sings. It's just one of those uh, those deals where there was a young girl that could really sing, and and the people really liked us. We had a great time, and I think to me, because the pressure was off, I was just they liked me because I was with Rufus, and. Uh, I stayed with her for about three years. They fired a whole bunch of other people, but I was always, they always wanted me around. So 
I had a great time with them. Did you? That's uh, the last time I actually played. Huh? Did Did you slip in any Rufus covers uh, during that? Oh, yeah, yeah. She did. She did tell me something good, sweet thing. You know, uh, out of deference to me, but uh, she had she had a couple albums of her own, but they they, they weren't you know stellar. Uh, she's a sweetheart. Her, her mom, Mary, was her her like her road manager, you know. But, and she was a sweetheart. We kind of like became a family. It was like she was my little sister. Mary was like my, <laughs> you know, uh, cousin or something. You're hanging around uh, St. Paul again. Did you ever uh, cross paths with Prince? Uh, no. Well, actually, only when Shaka would play with him. I'd go see Shaka and, you know, I'd sit with, with Prince and his entourage and all that. But, I, you know, I never really did, you know, rubbed elbows too much with him. Now, did you ever reunite? I was kind of an independent guy. Say again? Did, did you ever reunite again with Shaka or any of the band? No, I didn't. I I heard that it was real close to hap- having a reunion at some point. Were you included in that conversation? Or yeah, uh, I was, but uh, I, I I was not uh, active in its you know procedure. Uh, we're talking now. Hawk and I have, have talked about it. Just getting together, reunion just a reunion of people not not so much to talk about the band or anything just to see it you know touch base and see what would happen if enough water is under the bridge because there's a you know there's there's been some some bad feelings in, amongst some things that have happened in the group but uh, you know outside of the music end of it but that's something we don't we don't want to you know uh, publicize. Yeah, wasn't it uh, was it nine eleven uh, that kind of sidelined the reunion? It might have been. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 a shame. That would have been something special for sure. But um, yeah. Um, still so glad that you know you can uh, share these stories with us, even if the memory's a little fuzzy at times. It's still great, uh, uh, you know. So, um, well, in se- you're Scott, in, in September, I will be 80 years old, <laughs> and uh, the, the death of my wife kind of took me and just shook me, you know. I'm just now coming out of it, I'm starting to to play and write again. I hadn't played you know, out with anybody since uh, 216 when she passed away. Uh, my life just stopped when uh, I was married for 51 years. Wow. And, uh, wow. and uh, the uh, her, her condition was always first and foremost in my mind. And uh, I think I just got Sidetracked with that stuff. 
Yeah. Well, but that ex explains a lot, a too. Say again? I was going to say that explains a lot, too, because I first reached out to you probably around uh, 2017. So you were, you know, just still dealing with that. I, I had no idea. So. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, was a, I was a wacky guy in 2017. <laughs> well, I appreciate you sharing that with me and um, glad that you're, uh, you know, coming out of it. And um, if you get your fingers back on some keys, that's good for everybody. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know <laughs> if, if I ever get involved in anything. But I think I'm I think it's over for me. I'm mean, you know, being 80 years old. I don't look 80. I don't feel 80. I'm still, my mind is still back in the, uh, the road days and the music. And, uh, who knows? Maybe I'll be the geezer sensation. <laughs> Again, thank you so much for doing this. Uh, stay in good health and good spirits. And I will let you know when this is going to post and you can listen, watch, share it, all that good stuff. Well, I'm grateful to you, Scott. Thank you so much for talking to me and uh, giving me a, something to say. <laughs> My pleasure. You take care of yourself, Kevin. All right. Okay. All right, bud. Thank you so much. All right. Bye for now. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Truth and Rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, R&B, and jazz lovers, joining Truth and Rhythm's membership program at Patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, Buying Everything is on the One, the First Guide to Funk book at Amazon. Shopping at the Funky Things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net. And linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your Amazon purchases. In addition, if you're an artist or anyone seeking proven, results-oriented, professional marketing, PR, writing, or editing consultation or production, check out the media services section at funkinstuff.net. Also, I encourage you to drop me a line at scottg at funkinstuff.net. I love the feedback, suggestions, guest requests, appearance and sponsorship inquiries, and just talking about my favorite subject, groove-based music. For now, and as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Goldfine saying, keep on keep vibing, on vibing to the rhythm of the one.